Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about life and how we travel down the not-so-yellow-brick road of it. I'm Kathy Barrett, and this show is designed to create awareness about the magnificence of who we all are and who we can be when we focus positive energy individually and collectively. And our guests have had to overcome extreme obstacles to turn adversity into opportunity. And the lessons learned have led to transformation and personal success and a commitment to be of service to other people. Our hearts are capable of creating amazing miracles when love is at the core of our actions. And like seeing a beautiful painting or a photograph that moves you, I hope each show will provide you support and inspiration as you journey down your own not-so-yellow-brick road of life. So I hope you'll stay tuned for the next 30 minutes as I reveal what's behind the curtain. And just a couple of few announcements before we bring on Betty Steinhauer, one of our favorite, favorite guests. I mean, talking to Betty is better than taking a B12 injection as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's true. That's That's Betty that's giggling. I had the most incredible conversation with a cab driver the other day, and despite the nutty pace of New York City, what I treasure the most is the ability to make a connection with like a complete stranger in a matter of seconds. And this young man was studying finance, and we got into this amazing discussion that ranged from like the global economy to taxi etiquette. And it was just one of those rare moments and such a treat for me to see the world through this young man's eyes who was determined to bring some integrity into the financial world. So I know he's tuning in, and I just want to thank him for making my ride so enjoyable. And I can't wait until he gets out of school and gets uh, a job in the financial world so that we can start to reap the benefits of his wonderful heart and soul uh, and his intention to bring integrity forth into that environment. Just uh, another quick announcement. I have some very special people that are celebrating birthdays. Ashley McGinley turns 21 and uh, this is happening this weekend. Also, my nephew, Matthew McMurray, out in Washington, D.C., and Jennifer Capabianco, another niece of mine. My world is such a better place because we're all in it, so I'm sending you guys lots of love. And prayers and good wishes go out to the Palladino family. George Palladino is in New York Presbyterian Hospital right now, really struggling with a health crisis. So we just want you to know that we're thinking about you, we're rooting for you, and we're wishing for a speedy recovery. Now, um, on Sunday, May 6th, I want you to all mark your calendars because there's going to be a wonderful event that takes place at Town Hall in New York City. It starts at noon and it goes to 2.30. And the name of the program is All of a Sudden. And it will address ways of using spiritual tools to peacefully handle the unexpected surprises in our lives and world. And God knows we all have these unexpected surprises that pop up every day that uh, cause us a lot of stress and 
So it's a wonderful program, and it's also for free. And it will include actor Clark Peters, who is famous for his role as Detective Lester Freeman in HBO's The Wire, and Mohini Punjabi, a leading spiritual teacher uh, with the Brahma Kumaris World Spiritual Foundation for over 50 years now. And uh, she is an expert in the practice of meditation. So to find out more information and get tickets, uh, please go to the following website. That's www.b as in boy, k as in Kevin, newyorkevents.org, all one word. Once again, the website is www.bknewyorkevents.org. Hope to see you there. Now, this week, our guest is Betty Steinhauer, and our topic is, what do you contribute to our world? Betty is one of our program's favorite entrepreneurial spirits. She is an unstoppable force in the way she runs her own consulting business, and she is also the founder of the People Bridge Charitable Foundation, an organization that began in 77 to facilitate small-scale charitable projects around the world. Today, our focus is about Betty's recent trip to India and her new book, My Way, A Quest Across the World to Find the Secret Code of Happiness. Betty Steinhauer, so great to have you on the program, and thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you for inviting me again. Well, I have to just explain to everybody that um, I made a huge boo-boo. The show was supposed to go off. (laughs) (laughs) I have to fess up and out myself. The show was supposed to go off on Tuesday, and it was just a silly thing that I didn't follow this instruction or missed it, rather. And anyway, the show didn't record. And it was a fabulous show, but we're going to have another fabulous show. So um, I just want you to know that's why the program, you didn't hear the program on Tuesday, and this is Tuesday's program. So now we're going to move on with our great show. So Betty, let's start with your trip to India and what prompted your three-month journey? Well, um, this little hospital I work with, which is about 100 miles south of the Pakistan border, and it's called the Global Hospital, it um, it was a hospital that I went into in 1992 and had pneumonia. And it's a hospital that my foundation supports and has supported over the last 20-some-odd years. Um, And now that the foundation is in someone else's hands, I'm still on the board of directors, though, I was invited back to the hospital to help them develop their own fundraising program within the Indian corporate community. And the Indian corporate community is not great at necessarily funding their own. They're great at funding politics and they're great at doing other things, but not necessarily small hospitals within India. Um, We also named this project, instead of calling it fundraising, we called it friendraising because I think everyone's aware that until people are feeling comfortable with what they're doing and feel that uh, the, the project is worthwhile, they're not going to give it money. So that's why I'm calling it friend raising instead of fundraising. So I was very honored to have the opportunity of spending three months in India, which is a long time, but I loved it. I became much more part of the community. I did much more traveling within India. Um, I did a number of speaking engagements. Uh, one speaking engagement was to 1,500 people, which I didn't expect. Oh, my goodness. Which was, 
which was talking about the difference between the East and West Mm -hmm. and what the Indian population has to do to kind of keep up their values and keep up their family image as they begin to uh, get more, you know, in the world, etc., and social, economic, whatever. So it was a fascinating three months. We met with various members of the corporate community, worked with the local Mount Abu community, and uh, we're working towards this, and I will probably go back again this year. That's really fantastic, and I love the story about how, you know, this all began. I mean, you ended up with pneumonia. You mentioned that you've been traveling to India for many years. Yep, 17 years. 17 years. So you've this really... My, 17, my 17th trip will be this year, I think. You, you I have really... Be year. Oh, okay. You have really seen the changes in this country over the Absolutely. years. Absolutely. So, I mean, now they're like the third fastest growing country in terms of spending dollar. So, I mean, what is the, you know, what have you seen? What's the biggest change that you've seen over the years? Well, I think number one is the road system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they now have real highways and they have very creative uh, contracts with various other countries around the world that fund their road system and and then these countries get a certain percentage of the tolls for a certain number of years and the roads revert back to India. So India has been very entrepreneurial and creative how they've done various things. So certainly the road system, certainly uh, getting more Western food in and, and different types of food, which I love, which is great. Uh, selling peanut butter, which is a big deal because they never used to sell peanut butter. Mm. Um, and I think that um, it's becoming westernized in, in terms of some of the clothes, in terms of some of the cultural opportunities, but they're trying to really not let that go too far because they're a little concerned just what sometimes they don't agree that the Western value system is the greatest value system in the world. So they're trying to keep their Eastern Indian value system and still let the economy grow. Understandable. Um, what I really admire is that you here you are in this hospital 17 years ago when you have pneumonia, and you really loved the experience that you had there and appreciated, you know, the kind of care that you received. And really, then you you're giving back to that community. That's what I find yeah. so wonderful about you is that. You know, you're you're a very giving person. I mean, these life experiences happen. You don't run off and say, oh, okay, I'm too busy to handle this now. I mean, you really take it to heart and say, okay, I want to give back. What is it that I can do? And I love that friend raising. That's like... Talk about coining a phrase. Well, That's fabulous. Yeah, it's it's taken on a life of its own. And even here, some of the work I'm doing in Canada, uh, we're now using the terms friend raising because I think it's a very comfortable set of words mm-hmm. and people can relate to it because I think sometimes fundraising is all oh, these people want money, okay? And But if you say, you know, what we're doing right now is we're friend raising, then hopefully those friends will grow into funders. But at that particular point in time, they don't have to get money. They're, you're just making them aware of what the project is and what's going on. So it's it's like a very subtle type of thing, but it seems to be working and catching on. So I'm delighted. And awareness and it came up quite by accident. Yeah. Yeah, and awareness yeah. is a very powerful, not only a powerful word, but uh, but it's a powerful thing. Once yep. we are made aware, it's amazing how the action kind of follows at that point. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. So how do you organize and approach a project of this magnitude? 
Well, um, last year when I was in India, I did the proposal, or a year ago, and then this year I went back to do the implementation. And what we've done is we've set up an honorary board of advisors, and these are people from all walks of life. These are educators, business people, politicians, cultural people that sit on this honorary board for this little hospital. And I should say this little hospital is 100 miles south of the Pakistan border, so it's in, it's in a hill town we we'll have about 50,000 population, which is not big by Indian standards. It's a beautiful town. It's one of the honeymoon resort towns of India, so it has numerous hotels and whatever. So basically, we set up this honorary board of advisors with people from all over the country that will say, this hospital is a good place, and this community is really lucky to have it, and if there's any way you can help. And these are not, it's not a formal board of directors. It's just people that are saying, hey, this is a great place and we should be very lucky that it's there so that's how we started and then it's a matter of doing various proposals and meeting with various business people and spending some time in Delhi and Mumbai with some of the business people and making them feel a little bit more comfortable with why they should be looking at this little hill country little hill city um And I think also that what's happened is that this hospital needs other things, such as people to teach them about media, people who who can do long-term planning and long-term financial planning for them. So some of the business people we're talking to are offering to do that, which I think is a very great donation to an organization like this. And the hospital personnel are going out to these corporations or the corporations are sending some of their employees in for a few weeks to help work with the hospital staff. This is a great great contribution. That is a very excellent contribution. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, in, in addition to raising awareness about it, you're actually supplying them with information and tools and training that's going to yeah. help them grow and grow. And so they can turn around and, to, you know, start training their own people. Absolutely, it, and that's the, key to, that's the key to all of this. So it's not just money that we're going after. We're also going after what I call in kind corporate donations of, of giving back in that way. And how many people does this little hospital service? Uh, it serves about uh, 90,000 people a year because wow. it's surrounded by a number of tribal villages. It's 120-some-odd beds. Uh, but there's probably only five or 6,000 that actually end up in the hospital. And uh, so it serves a lot of people, but most of them are day patients. And the tribal villages, um, for your listeners, most of those people, unless they're really, really sick, would never spend a day in the hospital. They would think it was just not the right thing to do. So they're very happy to go and get taken care of as long as they can go back home at night. And some of them travel, oh, 50, 60 miles to get there. Wow. Um, so it, it's a long, long journey for them on uh, not-so-great roads. So I think that um, this little hospital is really serving their community extremely well. And sometimes when you go to the front door of the hospital, this hospital is quite modern-looking, there'll be a lineup going up the front door of people holding kids, people having babies, people doing whatever. They're coming to the hospital to be looked after. So it, it really fills your heart full of good stuff. That's really something. And and what's the biggest um, health uh, crisis that they face? Uh, Probably uh, a lot of pneumonia, Mm -hmm. a lot of pleurisy, 
Um, these tribal villages get hurt a lot with their in their farming when they're doing their farming. So you will find them their implements. They'll find they'll be gored, you know, in the stomach or be mm-hmm. gored, and it will. It's it's not a very nice sight. So um, malaria sometimes. But usually it's respiratory infections of some type that I haven't been looked after and have really grown to be much more serious. Mm. Wow. That's really... And then there's cataract surgery that's done. And then one of the things we've implemented over the past few years is cleft palate surgery because a number of the kids had terrible cleft palates, but they never had a doctor that would could do anything about it. So you will see in this hospital now 14, 15, 16-year-olds having cleft palate surgery, which is very old by our standards, but it's working. Wow, that's really great yeah, to hear. Giving them, a, giving them a new lease on life, you know? Now, how, I mean, speaking in front of 1,500 people, organizing this friend raising, spending three months, do you travel with a staff? No, 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 no. (laughs) I wish I did. Uh, I need someone to carry my suitcases because I'm not very good at packing, so I take the world with me. Um, And so I'm known to to show up. In fact, I've left two large duffel bags in India with my clothes that I wore last year, so I'll go back to that. But because of my itinerary this year, when I start to travel, I'm going to be taking two more duffel bags. So it gets a little crazy, but I like to be well prepared for everything. So I have wardrobes for everything, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm well equipped. I know that feeling. I have difficulty packing myself. No matter how ma- how hard I try, it's just I I have to take everything with me. I guess it's a security thing as well. Yeah. I th- oh, I think it's totally a security thing because you know there are laundries. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always tell myself. And in India, laundry is one of the best things. They do laundry extremely well. Ah, good to know. Good to they, know. They're excellent laundry and it. Get, comes back to you in beautiful shape within about three hours. They do wow. much better than we do in North America. Yes, well, that I agree with, and it seems <laughs> to be getting worse and worse now too here. But, yes. Um, so, with all of this traveling, what's been your favorite, uh, most fascinating place that you've traveled to in India? Oh, Varanasi's, which is Benares, which is Benares, which is basically the foot of the Ganges, is the most interesting, fascinating place. And I think that everyone in their lifetime, if they ever get chance, should go. Because being at the foot of the Ganges, you see everything. You see, you know, the people going down there, washing, taking care of their washing their clothes, hanging their their saris out. Then the people that are being uh, fires going because people have died, and and the and the fire, the burial fires are fires are operating. Then you see these mad priests on one bank that are doing very crazy things. It's like a a movie, Mm. and it's just such chaos. But the images are so bold, it's it's quite an amazing thing to see. You just can't explain it. The colors alone are absolutely phenomenal. Wow. So, but it can be a very difficult place to go to and a very dangerous place to go to. And my other favorite place in India is Kerala in southern India, which I spent two weeks at this year with friends. Um, it is beautiful. The literacy rate is very high. There's lots of green. Uh, you go out for dinner and you choose a fish and someone gets in a little boat and goes out and catches your fish and comes oh. back and cooks it however you want it and you're sitting in this beautiful resort right on the Indian Sea. It's not too hard to take. It is absolutely a magnificent part of India. It's very quiet. The population isn't nearly as bad. The weather is phenomenal and um, it's just so green and beautiful. 
Wow, and the people are, so are lovely. And the food is very different. The food is lighter, mm-hmm. easier to digest. It doesn't have the heavy oils. And they spend a lot more time with fresh food. Mm, that's Particularly fun. fresh fish, which I love. Ah, oh, me too. That sounds perfect. Yeah. And um, I, I remember asking you on, on uh, Tuesday for the show that didn't happen, a question about how you handle, because you're up to really big things, and we're going to get to talk about your book, and uh, you're also uh, organizing uh, another, what sounds like to be a, a fascinating uh, convention that's happening in Iceland uh, later on in the year. Mm-hmm. But how do you, I asked you a question about, do you ever have doubt, or how do you how do you handle, um, uh, you know, working on a project and say things are not going exactly the way you wanted them to go. How do you handle any doubt that may creep into your mind every so often about what you're doing? Well, I think everyone has doubt in the world, but I think if you're really sure that you're doing the right thing, you just keep going. And my philosophy in life, which I put in the book, always has been if a door closes, find another door and open that door. And usually if you do that, it will work. It may work not totally in the, totally the same way it did before, but it usually works in some way. So that's always been my philosophy. And it's also been my philosophy that if I make a mistake, it's my problem. No one else's problem. I don't blame people. I don't do whatever. It's my issue and my problem. So I, I've always dealt with life that way, rightly mm-hmm. or wrongly. And it's, uh, to me, it's, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. Well, I think that's why... Good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah. why you're so successful. I mean, it took me a long time. Uh, well, it took me a long time too, Kathy, and I'm older than you are, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. But it's true. Until we start taking responsibility for ourselves, life really doesn't move. Right. That's very true. You know? So let's get to your book because, yep. oh, my God, I can't re- wait to read it. So I'm going to just open the floor to you. Talk about okay. my way. Okay, well, this all started about 15 years ago. My father died when I was very young, and uh, then I had to look after my mother, who was very sick. And I wanted to start writing something to my father, just telling him I was okay. I had done okay in life. I had a great business. I had a great family. Everything was really good, because I basically came from the other side of the tracks without not too much going on. And so I wanted to say, hey, this has been a really great life. And then it slowly grew over the years, and I would stop writing and not do anything about it. And then when my last relationship broke up three years ago, I was invited by a friend to go on a world cruise, which is something that I thought I would never do in my life. But the ticket was so cheap, I couldn't resist it. So we went on this world cruise, and I was on this ship for three and a half months. I thought, okay, now what am I going to do? It was a phenomenal experience, by the way. If anyone ever has a chance to see the world by the sea don't mm. don't don't say no to it because i had already been to 152 countries so i thought i knew everything yeah. well i didn't this is a very different way of seeing the world anyhow so i started to write for two two and a half hours a day just out of boredom on this ship mm-hmm. and i came back and showed the manuscript and thought oh well i've done it it's all over well it wasn't all over i was just beginning this very long frustrating journey so I'm delighted. Um, I did one draft of it, and then we've done another draft. And basically the book starts in India, it ends in India, and my life is woven in in between. And I'm fortunate enough to have a publisher in India who's setting up a new publishing company and has chosen my book to be one of the four that he's going to publish. 
and it should be on Amazon in June. The hardcover will be available in September, and believe it or not, I'm going to Delhi for the book launch on September the 19th. Um, So it's all very exciting. It's a lot of work, uh, but I'm absolutely delighted, and I'm absolutely delighted with this publisher and how he's interpreted me and how he's He's figured me out, you know. He he when he and when it's his title, my way, and I think it's brilliant. I just think it's totally what it should be. So I'm quite happy with the book, and um, I hope people will see it and uh, and read it. And it's it's quite. Um, I think the essence of the book is moving forward, is to keep your journey going, to keep enjoying life. There's bad, there's good, there's this, there's that, but. The more you can move forward, I think the better it is for you as a person and you don't want to get stuck. Getting stuck, I think, is one of the worst things in life you can do. Yes, it is. It's it's a disease, actually. Yep. It really, yep. really is. And I know a little bit about uh, your life from knowing you, and um, and I really want to share this with the, with the viewers, is that okay. Betty's book... I mean, it's because if you listen to you, Betty, you sound like, oh, she's never had to face any real big challenges because you're so up and you're so fantastic at everything you do. But to the contrary, you really had to experience some hard um, life knocks. And that's what I love about this book. I think it's going to be so inspiring to people because you put your life and your heart on these pages. And and that's really how people connect and, and you want me to go into a couple yeah, of things? Yeah, yeah go okay. into a few things. Well, basically, I, w- I was raped when I was 13, and um, I lost my father when I was 15, and my mother was schizophrenic, so I had to quit school and look after my mother. I've lost my own child at one year. Um, we adopted another child that had very serious heart defects and had heart surgery. Um, so it's always so it's been a life of positive and negatives. Like, and I've had some wonderful things happen in my life too. So I think it's um, it's like most journeys, it's like most lives. You just kind of keep moving through. But life is. People often say to me, "You have the perfect life." And this was also one of the reasons I finished the book because I, I when they said that to me, I used to say, "No, my life hasn't been perfect." But at that point, I wasn't prepared to explain it. I didn't want to yeah. go into all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So so I would kind of look at them and they would say, well, you know, you've got this nice place to live and you travel and da-da-da-da-da. And I used to think, no, I haven't had the perfect life. But now in this book, um, I think it explains it a little bit more. And one of the titles I had looked at for the book was The Perfect Life Hyphen Life is Perfect to let people know that uh, this wasn't the perfect perfect life, but, you know, this is what it was. So just all a journey. I love that title as well. I really do. Yeah, no, I do too. You know, it's 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 one of the thing we uh, things we talk about on the show is that our beauty is in our imperfections as well, and it's the same thing with life. Even the the more difficult times that we have to go through are there. They provide lessons for us to grow from. Absolutely. So and without those without those bad times or difficult times, you really don't grow in the same way, and uh, and you find that I mean in my life. What I've done to work through things, for example, is when my child died, for example, that I went down to Sick Children's Hospital, which is our big children's hospital in Toronto, and I volunteered my time to work with parents of terminally ill kids. 
that's the way that I work through my own grief and my own trouble, okay, mm-hmm. by giving back. And I think what I've found is I've done that all of my life. Mm-hmm. And when I was raped, for example, I went to work a few years later as a volunteer for the Rape Crisis Center. Wow. So I think that's how I've worked through my own process. But everyone finds their own way of doing it. Well, it's Mine a very is healthy not necessarily, way. Yeah. My, and I always say that this book is cheaper than going to a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I tease. But that's what I say about the book. Well, this will be what I give to you all my loved ones for Christmas. Every oh, holiday, I love to pick a, a really meaningful book and, and give that okay. out as a gift. So Good. it sounds like yours will be the one. And Thank again, you. let's remind people where they can go and when to start looking for this? Um, it will be available on Amazon in June. I will let you know the date later on. I don't have any date at this point. They're editing the final manuscript now, and they're saying it will be where, but so I will let Kathy know, and then Kathy can let the information out. That would be great. Absolutely. We'll, um, okay. we'll let everybody know as soon as it's up, and they can purchase it. So tell us, we just have a, a minute or so yep. uh, left about the Spirit of Humanity Conference that's ah. planning. Well, it's a wonderful forum that's going to happen in Iceland this September, and I'm delighted that Kathy Barrett is going to be there. I'm so um, excited. For two reasons, because I think that uh, her input will be great, and the second reason is I'd love to spend more personal time with her. Um, so it's basically talking about humanity, and we've invited 100 people from around the world, from all walks of life, and we're talking about values. We're talking about values in business, values in people's personal life, and how people in this fast-paced world need to kind of take a look at what their value system is, where their values are going in the future, and how they keep that higher level with some of the issues that are going on in the world. So that's what we're uh, that's what we're going to address, and it's September the 13th to the 15th in Iceland, and I think Kathy will be doing some work from there too that she can let her listeners know about. And so it's a very exciting concept, and we hope that these will grow across the world. We're really calling it the same type of forum as the Davos Financial Forum, mm-hmm. so we're calling this the it's like the spiritual forum, um, and so this is what we're hoping will grow through throughout the world. Well, I'm uh, I'm just honored to to be a part of it and I, you know, hope to, you know, go live uh and so that we can interview all the great people that are going to be there and take what's happening and really share it with the listeners so they can incorporate Good. it uh into their Good. own lives. And so um I just uh, want to thank you so much, Betty. Uh, you are always an amazing guest on our program, and you really do inspire me with your work and how huge your heart is and how you manage to fit in changing the world with your daily activities of running your own life as well as being an entrepreneur and a mother and a grandmother and a charity founder. You're just an inspiration to us all. So thank you for giving us time today. Okay, you're quite welcome. It's my pleasure. Okay, so I just okay. we'll we'll have you back soon, Betty. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Next week, everybody, you are in for a treat as we have one of the hottest casting directors in Hollywood here with us. Lisa Essery is going to tell us about all of the fascinating projects she's working on, as well as what it takes to have that it factor. Do you have what it takes? 
tune in to find out. It's been so great to have you along on this journey with me, and I really appreciate you tuning in every week. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. Peace, everybody. <laughs>